grab me a beer and grab him a coke We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes And please don't mix it up cause he done sobered up Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you are new to the show, quick rundown of the show. One of my favorite things to do when I was out drinking, partying, doing drugs, getting in trouble was to hang out with friends, talk shit, talk shop, reminisce about old stories and just the good old days. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Normally, I will be joined by a guest every week. This week is an exception. We are doing a solo pod, so it's just me today, Brennan Tassif, coming in your ear holes. I, um, full disclosure, thought I had plenty of episodes banked, and I assumed two weeks into New York City living, I would be in with all these super awesome comedians, and I would just be able to get people on the show no problem. So it's not that simple, (laughs) I've come to learn. So I'm going to share a couple of stories uh, with you all just about being up here in New York. It'll probably be a little shorter episode. And then I also did want to share the story about um, my proposal, which I don't think I've shared before, which is a hilarious drunken story. So I think it fits in quite well with the motif, as it were, of the show. But... Follow me. I guess I'll plug all my stuff. Follow me on all social media at Brennan T. Comedy. Check out the website, BrennanTComedy.com. Get your ex-drinking buddy merch there. Um, I love it. I bought my own merch and I wear it. Um, That'll come into play in some of the stories I'm going to share about the first couple weeks here in New York. Also, uh, October 7th, I will be at the Broadway Comedy Club. Thank you to my very good friend, Joe Kimmel, for booking me on that show. So, got a show booked. We're rocking and rolling here in the city. (laughs) Two months out. (laughs) So, still sober, which is good. That's a plus. First couple weeks in New York. uh, Been difficult, to say the least, but we're working. Got the job going. Probably the most revealing thing, the more, most forbo- eh, the most foreboding thing about my time here so far was the first week I just decided with Savannah, because uh, she was off for the first week as well, that I was just going to go see shows. Savannah was going to come do a few of them with me just at like the main comedy clubs here in New York City. So like The Stand is just one of my favorites, Gotham, The Cellar. Um, Just all sorts of just going to see comedy. And of course, for a lot of those shows, I did wear my merch out. I said this before, but it was like a uniform. Had my podcast, ex-drinking buddy podcast shirt on, dark jeans, and that's it. That was the, in my white, my white Pumas. And that was the uniform that I was going out with to a lot of these shows. And I honestly thought, well, I'll just keep showing up. And these comics who are there every night and they're hanging out after they get off stage and stuff, well, they'll slowly but surely recognize me after a week or two of doing this. And I have learned that that's not really the case. 
I and it's you know it's partially my fault or maybe I'm doing the right thing because I'm not really interjecting myself into conversations with random strangers, be it be they comics or not. I'm just kind of hanging out, hoping that eventually someone's going to be like, "Oh, hey, we see this guy all the time. What's up, man? What's your deal?" Uh, but that has not been the case so far. Uh, so, still going to keep going, still going to keep pushing. But I've decided, um, I know I've talked about this, I think, on the bonus, but I decided after a couple of weeks of getting our bearings, you know, I started my new job, um, I finished training, and I kind of wanted to figure out, you know, the budget, what we're going to be, you know, what the money's going to look like coming in from that, how many days I could afford to take off, so then I could start going to do open mics and stuff. So my schedule originally came out, and... This is so, like I said, foreboding of what New York City life is going to be. So my schedule comes out. I'm off Monday. There's a real big, at least it seems like it's a real big open mic, Monday nights at Stand Up New York, which is a, a legit comedy club here in the city uh, um, in Manhattan. So I'm like, you know what? I'm off on Monday. This is this past Monday. I think it was the 8th or the 9th. I was like, I am off on Monday. So I am going to sign up for this mic and hopefully I get picked. Now, the way a lot of the mics work in New York City is something I've only seen in a few other places like Orlando that has a lot of comedians uh, trying to get on mics. And you can't obviously have like 30 mics on it. Well, I mean, you can. I've been a part of those shows, but it's not really conducive for what you're trying to do. So they have lists. So you, you have to email the person or, you know, DM them or whatever and sign up early then they'll choose however many names at random or they choose people that they know or however it works. But it's basically a lottery system. So Saturday, I'm like, all right, well, I'm off Monday. So let me uh, or I think this might have been Thursday of last week. I was like, let me apply. Let me put my name in. So I send a, a request, follow all the instructions. And then I, I throw a little note on there and I said, hey, listen, my name is Brennan Tassif. I just moved here from Florida. I've been doing comedy on and off since 2009. Just really want to get to know the landscape of the comedy scene up here and the open mics and you know stuff like that. Please let me know. That'd be fantastic. And I forgot about it. I honestly, I must have done it Thursday because I completely forgot I did that. So then, this is why Saturday was sticking out in my head. Come Saturday my schedule gets changed at work. So I don't, I've only been there for like a week at this point. I don't really know what's going on. Not even a week, like four days or five shifts, something like that. So I don't know what's going on. My schedule gets moved around a couple of times. I guess they had, you know, somebody, I don't know, but I had pretty much forgotten that I had applied for that open mic spot. So I went from having Monday off to then working Monday and then come to find out Monday afternoon, I'm at the gym uh, getting a workout in before work and I'm checking my email because I'm neurotic and I check my emails all the time because I have randomly got like, hey, by the way, you know, this is something you owe money for. Or this is sent to collections or this is. And with the damage and destruction I did in my past, I always want to make sure to always be on top of my emails, <laughs> just in case. And I get an email from one of the hosts saying, hey, man, we'd love to have you tonight. 
you have a spot, be there by 6.30, show starts at 7. And I'm like, fuck me. So this is a weird thing because I don't think I can call out of work four shifts or five shifts into my new job. But also, it was a Monday night and we were going to be really slow. I've worked in restaurants long enough to know that. So part of me wanted to text my boss and be like, hey, man, I was originally off Monday. Now I'm scheduled Monday, but I had something planned for Monday night. Is there any way I can take off? But cooler heads prevailed. I know Savannah would not have been happy with that decision. And I know the shadow producer of the show, Joe Dorville. Shout out Headphone Joe. No O, no E in the phone. He would have not been happy with that decision because him and I talked about got to take, cannot screw up my first job in the city. So I send them an email saying, you know, so sorry, things got moved around at work. I can't do it. Um, but then I got no email back. And I have had no communication with this gentleman since that last correspondence. So I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that mic again, which is upsetting because I was like, oh, it's at a comedy club in Manhattan. But I don't fucking know. I haven't been to any of these mics yet. It might be horrible. It might be awesome. I have no idea. Um, I have requested Mondays off moving forward. Problem with that is the schedule's already been made for the next three Mondays this past Monday and then the next two moving forward. So... The 30th will be the earliest I can get there. But I am off coming up, so I'm going to check out... On my days off, I'm going to check out the mic scene. It is super cool because on one of the Facebook groups that I joined, they have all the mics just laid out. So if you're ever in the New York City area and you want to know... And you're you know a comedian or just want to get on stage in New York, you can go to the different groups and they've got full lists of the open mics or you can always reach out to me and I will just DM it to you. I have had uh, comics from different parts of the country do that when they've, to be honest, I had one comic from Dayton when I did the show in Dayton ask me about Florida shows. That was it. So, but I am willing to do that. I'm willing to whore myself out to help for the benefit of everyone else. But I haven't had a drink in the city, which is fantastic. And it's interesting because going to a lot of the comedy clubs and the hellscape that was the initial move and hitting that car and just all sorts of shenanigans, you'd think one of the biggest things I'd want to do is be like, man, I need a drink. But luckily for me, uh, the obsession has been removed. So that's not, it's not even something that I really think about anymore. I mean, it does happen from time to time, but it's It's been awesome not even like being like, oh, I need a drink. But I do want to tell a few drunken stories from the city. Um, I don't mean to speak out of school, but I'm going to share this story because it was pretty awesome. So I went to the stand uh, this past Sunday with Savannah. And it was all the shows were pretty early, like nine o'clock was the last show, which is normally how it works. I'm learning during the week. Um, but we went, and friend of the show, former guest on the show, Matt Fulcheron, the full charge, was um, on that show, which was super cool. He wasn't on the original lineup, um, but I, you know, we were gonna, we were planning on going to that show anyway, 
And as Savannah and I were sitting there waiting to be sat, but who walks in the door but the full charge, Matt Fulcheron. So that was awesome. He ended up being on the show. And then uh, we talked for a little while. I got to hang out with Dan Lamort, another hilarious comedian uh, based out of New Jersey, but does a lot of work at The Stand. And um, the show was awesome. Crowd was a little tight. Crowd was a little tight. I tried to carry it with my boisterous laughter, but to no avail. <laughs> but then after the show, Joe DeRosa, Joey Roses himself, it was his birthday recently. And I don't know if, because I've been to the stand on a Sunday and I haven't seen this, but everyone, everyone was there, I think, who was in town. It was insane. So Joe DeRosa was there and everyone was, you know, screaming happy birthday and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I assume it was like a birthday party for him. So I'm just standing there with Savannah and there's Sal Vacano and Sherrod Small, Ari Shafir, um, just there's probably a ton of comics I'm leaving out, but there were so many comics just hanging out at the stand, just chilling, talking, play, playing some music over the uh, PA system, just having a great time. And it was insane because I felt like an asshole. Cause I was just kind of standing there with Savannah Hoping to like run into someone and be like, oh, hey, man, what's up? And again, that didn't work out. But I learned my lesson not to interject myself into f conversations under the false pretense that we're all friends. So but I mean, it was super cool just to be around it. That's one of the benefits to being where I am is just to be able to be like, oh, my God. You know, there's this comic and that comic and Josh Adam Myers and. You know, I was talking with Full Charge before the show, and then, you know, Sherrod Small is there, who is fucking hilarious. And I was just like, what's up, man? Because him and I had met before, but again, these people, the comics meet so many people that they have no idea. But so that was, that was, and some of the guests at this little get-together were hammered. I'm not going to drop any names about who was hammered but it was pretty hilarious because they're already like you know boisterous and then they're wasted and then they're just screaming songs and stuff and yeah it's probably the closest i got to actually being drunk myself was vicariously living through all these comics at the stand <laughs> that's another thing too um ex drinking buddies if you want to you know DM or mention the show to some comics you know that live in the Northeast. Like, hey, you should totally be on this podcast. Go ahead and do it. Do it up. Because I don't know if... I don't know how... Well, let me rephrase that. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get comfortable enough around these comics to ask them to be on the show. But... Hopefully, once I start doing the open mic scene, um, I'll be able to start booking some people once again. I pray to God that this will be the last solo episode for a while. I know this is painful for everyone listening just to hear me talk. And it's painful for me to do, but by God, I'm going to have an episode come out every Wednesday for the Patreons and every Friday for everybody else, whether it's awesome or it's this. So, yeah, 
that's what that's what New York's been like so far. Um, let's get off that. Oh, and another thing, I just, just want to point this out. It's weird because over the years, I've met a lot of different people in comedy, um, mainly open micers and people at my level or you know a little bit above my level. Some a lot a bit above my level comedically, but they still kind of do the same shows that I kind of do. Um, and some of those people have moved to New York city, uh, way before I did. And it's interesting because people told me before I left, like, Oh, don't forget about us. Don't forget about, and I was like, Oh, that's, you know, you're being silly. Like everyone who's listening knows how important loyalty is to me and that I'm not gonna, I'm not a forget about you kind of guy, but there are people that I guess there's a reason that's a cliche. Because I've reached out to both these people, two people in particular, and been like, hey, I heard you're doing comedy in the city. You've been doing it for a while. You know, what's like what's going on? What are the good shows? What are the good mics? What's you know, what's what's the haps? And no response from either of them. And it's no one who's been on the show before. It's no one that I don't even think I've ever really mentioned, but that has occurred which is super disappointing. But, hey, now I get it why people say that. And I think I understand it because it's one of those things where it's like we didn't talk for years and now all of a sudden that you're in the same vicinity that I'm in, we're going to, you know, I'm going to give you the cheat code. So I, I get it, but just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of shitty because I'm like, damn. But to their credit, I was also... Going through my phase of drinking on stage, doing impressions, doing one setup and another punchline when they knew me. So they very, very much probably think I'm not a comedian whatsoever, which is understandable. Totally understandable. So, yeah, reach out to anybody that you guys like. And uh, let's try and get some let's try and get some big old fat name drops on this show. I am I'm determined to make this my last solo episode for a long time, though. I'm going to reach out, and if I got to Zoom with people from back in Jacksonville, then God help me. But that's what we're going to do. Maybe I'll reach out to uh, a new low network where my sports podcast with Joe Dorville is and see if any of the other people want to come on. We're just missing L. Greg and Scott by Scott. Everyone else has done it. Headphone Joe. Oh, and uh, Kyle Loader. So I guess I have two out of the five. So we'll see. Anyway, I did want to get into a pretty funny ex-drinking buddy story with you. And that was, as I've referenced before, I have been engaged. That was my proposal to my ex-fiance, which I really wanted to put in the title botched proposals. I wanted to say booze, bras, and botched proposals. But I just, that's, that's not a good title. It's, nobody says broads anymore. And it wasn't really a botch proposal because she said yes. So uh, I just fucking buried the lead, ruined the ending. Um, but here, let me take you back. We'll go back in the Wayback Machine. So my ex and I decided to go to Savannah, Georgia. This was in March because it was during St. Patrick's Day. We had never really traveled other than to Orlando to go to Universal and Disney and stuff like that. So... We thought, oh, we'll take like a little, you know, one-nighter trip. Savannah was close enough to Jacksonville. It only took about two hours to get there. 
They apparently have one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day parties in the entire country. And we can just stay at like a, you know, a hotel for one night and just kind of do the thing. So I'm drinking at the time. I'm in relapse mode, full on relapse mode. Which is another interesting point that uh, Alyssa, my ex, brought has brought up to me before, which was I was only sober the first year we were together. And then I would, you know, stay sober for a few months and then drink and then sober and then drink and then blah, 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 blah. And she made a good point, and I, it's a bit that I talk about on stage in much funnier fashion, I would hope, but about how I romanticized the entire course of our four-and-a-half-year relationship in that, like, first year. So all the fun that we had in the first year, never really fighting, all the, all the great times, I've kind of twisted that to expand it over the course of the four years. But that's not the case at all. I romanticized the past. Um, so I romanticized the whole thing, but it's like, oh no, we were significantly, and by we, I mean, she was significantly unhappy for the last few years of that relationship, but I've, and I, you know, was going through what I was going through, but I've twisted it up in my brain to think it was like, oh, that was the greatest relationship. I'll never capture that again, blah, 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 which isn't true. You know, Savannah and I have a fantastic relationship. It's different for sure. It's definitely different. Because I'm a more independent person now and she's a way more independent person than anyone I've ever dated, which is awesome because I don't feel bad then like going to the stand by myself on a Tuesday. But it's also odd because then sometimes she'll go out with her friends and just be like, yeah, I'll be back later. And then I won't hear from her for hours. And I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But I digress. So we're in Savannah, Georgia. For St. Patrick's Day, and I believe we were there during the week because St. Patrick's Day fell on like a Wednesday. So I think we were there like Tuesday, Wednesday or Wednesday, Thursday. It would have been like a Tuesday, Wednesday if St. Patrick's Day was on a Wednesday because our last day, the the next day, we watched the St. Patrick's Day parade. So we get there, we check into the hotel, then we go down to uh, the Riverwalk. Uh, which wasn't too far from the hotel. I think we ended up taking like a shuttle or an Uber there or something. And I believe they were saying as long as you bought a wristband from one of these like actual vendors, you could drink on the Riverwalk, like open container law. And so we're walking around. I'm, I started drinking as soon as we got there. We went to different restaurants and like bars and stuff along the Riverwalk. And I'm just getting hammered at this point. And because I was in the relapse mode, you know, the on and off of the sobriety, money was always an issue because I would burn through money very quickly or, you know, I'd get fired from jobs or call out or, you know, just shit like that. So I know I remember money being an issue because we went to a couple bars and I was like super nervous about like the spending that we were doing. But I had a ring. I had had this ring for I think a couple of months at this point I had even drunkenly one night uh, DM'd Tommy Buns, Tom Segura and asked him if I could come on stage at his show at the Comedy Zone to propose which was a cringeworthy story and a horrific don't ever do that if you're a fan of a comedian don't I learned it the hard way I know I've talked about it on here before don't ever reach out like your buddies because you're not 
Unless it's with me, because we are we are buddies. We're ex drinking buddies, so you can reach out to me all you want. But I've reached out to more famous comedians and gotten that rude awakening of, hey, this is fucking stupid. Like, why would you do this? So anyway, I've had the ring for a little while, and I think, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna propose here. And I remember we hang out all day. We walk around. We do that whole thing. And then the next morning, like we have a great time. And then the next day, we get up. We're debating on where we want to go get breakfast. And I haven't proposed yet. I'm like, I'm going to do it today. And I remember I was drinking all day the day before. And then before we left the hotel, I was like chugging booze. Because I was nervous. I was very scared. And I was off the wagon. And so I was just like chugging booze. But what I've noticed about myself in the past is that it doesn't matter if I'm really genuinely scared or nervous. There's almost not enough alcohol in the world and I'm sure there is, but like if I'm drinking and then do something that's fear based, it's like no fear, no fear. But if I'm scared and then I start drinking because I'm scared or anxious or nervous, that never goes away. It's a weird dynamic I've learned about myself in all my years of drinking. So I'm obviously terrified, but I start drinking in the hotel room at like 10 in the morning, like, because I'm nervous. And then I remember we go out, we get food and then we're walking around and I'm like stopping at a couple places, like trying to do shots. And she is having none of this. Like, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. You've got, you know, we got to drive back. You're getting hammered in the afternoon. Like, this is so stupid. So then we're walking along the river walk. Let me set the scenes. The middle of the, it's like mid morning, close to the afternoon. We're walking along the river walk. I'm in shorts and a number 51 Paul Puzlesny teal Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. And I remember at one point I act like I'm going to bend down to tie my shoe. But before that, I was like, oh, I have to get this on video. So I went up to a random stranger, put my phone in video mode, and I said, hey, can you record this? I'm just going to be right over there. But I'm going to propose to my girlfriend and I'd like you to record it. Like, just hold the camera right here. And she was like, um, okay, I guess. And then I run back over. I was like, you know, good 20 feet away. I run back over to Alyssa and then I distract her and I'm like, oh my God, what is that? What is that over there in the, in the river? What is that? And she turns around and then I get down on one knee and then she turns back around. She starts crying. She says yes. But. The reason why I say a botched proposal is a couple of things. One, I had been drinking all day because I was so nervous. Two, it wasn't like a romantic... I mean, I guess it was kind of a romantic scene, but it was just on the river walk during St. Patrick's Day in Savannah. Like, it wasn't... That wasn't like our spot. That wasn't like a thing. Like, we had... Only ever been to Savannah that one time. And then three, obviously, the elephant in the room. Wearing the Paul Puzlesny number 51 jersey for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. Jags. I'm just going to say Jags. Uh, probably not the best attire to wear when you're asking someone to spend the rest of their lives with you. Um, but, it, I mean, at the time it worked out. You know, she said yes, everything... 
everything kind of went forward from there. But again, it was looking back on it now, you know, five or six years later, it was a terrible decision on my part. So, I mean, hey, I guess it's a great thing that I am uh, not drinking anymore. I've done some stupid, stupid stuff. But I've also done some, like, fun stuff, you know. Like, I don't regret the proposal, you know. I regret how I handled it, absolutely, 100%. And now I've learned from that. And the next time I do it, it is going to be succinct and to the point and perfect. But, I mean, it did make for an interesting story. Like, hey, how did you you propose the first time? Well, let me tell you. I was hammered, and I was wearing my Jags jersey, you know, represent Duval. And we were just walking along the river walk. I gave my phone to a stranger. I really thought that story would be a lot funnier saying it out loud. But solo episode, here we go. It was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, the, her leaving, because what it ended up doing was giving me this false sense of freedom to do whatever I wanted, which led me down a path to spiral even further out of control for the next two years until I finally you know, got sober, which I've I told that story before. It's on episode seven, six or seven, I believe. So if you want to hear that, go back and listen. But, um... Yeah, so I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I believe everything happens. And so that happened. And then, you know, the cookie crumbled the way it crumbled. And now look where we are. I'm sitting in an apartment on 52nd Street in New York doing a podcast by myself because I idiotically did not bank enough episodes for my beautiful listeners to hear. Um, yeah, so I think it all worked out for the best. It all worked out. That's for goddamn sure. Sorry, there's gonna be a lot of editing cutting around in this because there's long pauses. I have to check on the dogs. Um, someone tried to buzz in. I want to tell this story, though. This will be a banger. This is a good story. So this is about the time. Um, just listen. This is fun. And it won't be too long. So that way, I mean, I don't know who's still listening, but <laughs> if you are. I love you. Oh, also, huge shout out to uh, Tom, Patreon subscriber. He sent me um, this awesome book, Running the Light, uh, by Sam Talent. About um, It's a fictional book about a, a road dog comic, but it's fucking it's awesome. I've been reading it on the subway. I'm like, I've only had it for a day or two, and I'm about 60 pages in, which for me is a feat because I only read on the subway. Going to and from work. When I'm walking, I listen to podcasts. And then uh, when I'm home, I, uh, well, I'm not home that often. But when I am, I watch TV. God, I'm a loser. But huge shout out, Tom. Thank you so much. We got to get Tom's bonus episode. Since he is a top tier Patreon subscriber, we got to get him. So, Tom, think of some stories. Think of some stories, buddy. Anyway, this is a, a fantastic story. I can't believe it took me so long to think of it. I can't believe I haven't told it before. And if I have, it's an awesome story and bears repeating. So this is when I was living in Daytona. This was in between 
uh, high school and college when I took that year off. And uh, this is when I, or excuse me, no, this was the summer. This was the summer I was staying at my grandma's condo. Okay. So I remember. So this was uh, the summer where I crossed the line from a heavy drinker into a full-blown alcoholic. I think I've talked about that before. I was dating someone and I would constantly get super anxious because, you know, they weren't the most monogamous person. And we were in a long distance relationship for that summer because I was in Daytona. They were back down in South Florida. So this is when I was like drinking every single day. And I had never done that before, but I had started doing that because the only way I knew how to quell my anxiety was to drink. So I'm working at the Outback there. um, And uh, I obviously have friends from Outback that I I knew before um, and we're all hanging out. And one night I remember we're like, oh, we're going to go out. We're all off tomorrow. We're like going to go out tonight and do it big. And I had uh, one of my buddies, uh, we'll just call him KG uh, for the sake of the podcast, but he was like my big brother back then. We did a lot of stuff together. We were always hanging out. And, um, I remember we went out to a club and we were just Jack and gingers. That was our drink, Jack and ginger. And we were just getting wasted. I remember I ran into my high school girlfriend, like in the VIP. That was super weird. It's a, it's the night is really blotchy, obviously, because I was fucking hammered. So, but a couple things I did want to recap. So, we go, we leave the club and we go back to my buddy KG's house and we're with another friend of ours who was driving. He was the one who was driving us around. And then, and he was a pretty close friend at the time. Like he had picked me up from the airport. Like we were pretty close. And I remember we were at the house and like I almost peed my pants or something or like I walked outside to go pee and they kept telling me like I needed to relax. And then in a blackout, I found myself in the front seat of my friend's car. And I remember the whole night we kept saying we had to get gas. We had to get gas. The car was almost out of gas. So then fast forward, I'm hammered. And when I, like I said, when I come to, I'm driving my friend's car. Like, I, I guess I decided to steal the car. Um, cause I just wanted to go home. So I was driving. And then the next thing I remember was the car ran out of gas on like a side road, like through Daytona near the beach. There's a lot of like residential roads and stuff like back roads. Um, and I remember the car runs out of gas on these side roads and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So I pull the car over. And I remember just like passing out in the car. I don't think I like popped the hood or anything. And I, obviously the car's off because it was out of gas. And I remember just sitting in the car. Now, <clears throat> come to find out. Actually, I don't know because the legal wording of a DUI is, are you in operational control of the vehicle? Which is why you can get a DUI sitting in the front seat, but the keys aren't even in the car because you're technically in operational control of the vehicle. Like if you're in the front seat and the keys are within arm's length, they've deemed that operational control. Now, I don't know if the car, if it's out of gas, if you could still get a DUI because there is no, the car can't operate. 
there's no operational control because the car can't operate. But again, I've gotten a DUI in a parked car charging a cell phone. So what the fuck do I know? But I pass out in the car. And then the next thing that I remember is a Daytona Beach police officer came by and knocked on the window. And now I'm shitting my pants because at this point, I do not have a DUI yet because I didn't get that till the next year. But at this point, I do not have a DUI. Um, You know, as far as my record when it comes to getting arrested, I'd been arrested three times before this, uh, all for dumb stuff. Um, You know, you know the deal. (laughs) One was for a fight and then two other times was for uh, drunk and disorderly. So the cop walks up, but it's a moot point. You guys aren't going to believe this. No one in their right mind would ever believe this. Out of all the cops and all the cities and all the streets in Daytona, out of, you know, hang on, let me, how should I phrase that? Out of all the cities and all the streets and all the cops in Daytona, I guess, it happened to be this one, this guy. So he walks up, knocks on the window, and I'm in a panic. And I don't recognize him because he's got this big beard and he's put on some weight. And I, I, I think he had a beard at the time. Maybe he didn't. I just remember not recognizing him. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, like I'm fucked. My whole life is over. Come to find out, it was a former teammate of mine. Not going to say from when or where or any of that. But it was a former teammate of mine for a particular sport and I was like holy shit what the fuck are you doing here and he's like I became a cop what are you doing here and I was like I guess technically I stole my friend's car and then it ran out of gas and he was like oh you crazy so and so like what the fuck are you doing and I cannot stress this enough how happenstance it was that it was this guy I know a few cops in Daytona just from growing up in the surrounding area and stuff like that. But I don't think I know a single Daytona Beach police officer well enough for them to be like, ah, fuck it. Like, let me give you a ride. And this, I happen to know this one that well. And he was like, you idiot. Luckily, the car's out of gas. It won't drive. I found you here when it was off. So just go ahead, get in the cop car, and I'll take you home. And I remember I was uh, it was that summer because I remember being like, oh, you got to take me to my grandma's. And he's like, you're going to go into your grandma's house like this. And I'm like, oh, she's not there. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And so he just dropped me off. And then the next day I had to do the like, sorry, I stole your car. I thought it would liven up the party at the time kind of thing. And that was super embarrassing. And we had to and we didn't have a car because I wasn't driving. And then obviously his car was out of gas on the side of the road. So he had to get his brother to drive us to a gas station to get a gas tank, gas can, put gas in it, then drive us back to the car, fill it up. And then I had to ride with him to the gas station to fill it up, obviously. It's the least I could do. <laughs> and I remember it was like a whole thing because his brother had shit he was supposed to do that day. So he didn't want to give us the ride. And his mom was freaking out like, you just got that car like you better Like, she didn't buy it for him, but it was like, you know, he still lived at home with his mom, and she knew how hard he worked to get that car. She's like, you better get that fucking car. Like, who's these assholes that you hang out with that would just take it? Why would you run out of gas? That's so irresponsible. So, yeah, that was 
That was probably the first UI I should have gotten. I completely forgot about that story until I was just sitting here thinking about it. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the ex-drinking buddy stories this week. I will be joined by a guest starting next week. Again, we'll get guests back on here. Reach out to any comics that you like in the Northeast. Tell them to come on ex-drinking buddy. Uh, I know there are some people who love to do that right in front of me. In Jacksonville, that happened all the time where people would be like, you should be on his podcast. I'm like, if I wanted him on, I probably would have asked him. But uh, just kidding. I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. You already know the deal. Brennan T. Comedy on all social media. BrennanTComedy.com. Subscribe, rate, review. Do that stuff. I love you all very much. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.